All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to a brand new episode of The Real Life Podcast, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey, I didn't know I was recording real life. Me, guys. Oh, I I got a moist mouth. All night long, all I dream about is like the mouth is in my hair. So I'm ready. Wrong intro. I want to leave that in. Let's leave that in. And now the real intro. Real intro. intro. Tyler's had a week off work and this is what happens. (laughs) You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation (laughs) Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. One hour of straight hockey talk with Dan, Rick, Tyler and Bag Milk starts now. All right. So right now, this is Oilers Nation Radio. I'm yeah. Bag Milk. Tyler's here. Rick's here. Dan's here. Right after this, Tyler and I are going to record real life. Now, if you're confused about the intro, that's Tyler's fault. Send Tyler and your mail. Tyler, You can Oilers tell Nation. I'm out of it because like half of it played and I didn't even notice. I was just zoned <laughs> out. And then I was kind of like, why is everyone like, what's this? This noise isn't right. <laughs> so next episode, uh, now you have to play the ON. Oh, and R. That was yeah. that was loud and aggressive too. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, and and you'll also notice, dear Oilers Nation Radio listeners, how I'm not in the intro, despite having the second most episodes of Real Life outside of you. <laughs> Thank well, you, Tyler. Always friendly reminder. All right, Oilers Nation Radio episode 173. We're recording a day early. Tomorrow is just a weird day because it's New Year's Eve, and the Oilers have a matinee weird. on a Friday. On a Friday, weird, but we'll get is that there. A, We're gonna. Is that original originally scheduled? Like, is yep. like from day one, or is this like a COVID uh, reschedule thing? Yeah, that's that's just the way she goes. That's the way Terrible. she goes. Well, I think that's a weird one. New York, it's in it's in New York, right? Like, like you said, Dan. Like, it kind of makes sense because if you were to put a night, I know, but it's like basically New York. And if you were to put a night game in New York at like seven o'clock Eastern, I would imagine the attendance wouldn't be great. All three of our New York listeners right now are very mad at you, Tyler, for saying that New Jersey is the same as New York. Yeah, same shit. We're well, I actually so we're in that weird in between Christmas and New Year's time where just it's a flat circle. Who knows what day it was? I actually just thought tomorrow was Saturday, and that's why the game was at eleven a.m. But it's no. not; it's Friday because they play back to back, don't they? Aren't they both at <laughs> yeah, like Saturday play. game is an afternoon game as well? Yes, yeah, at they noon, play Saturday yeah. at noon, uh, Mountain Time, of course. But whatever, we'll get there. We've got lots to talk to. The Oilers are back. Played last night. Lost to St. Louis. I'm just happy they're back, but we'll get there. As we do every week, we're going to start off with the Oodle Noodle Delicious Debate. Mr. Uremchuk, what do you got for us? The Oodle Noodle Delicious Debate. Well, tomorrow is New Year's Eve. Why we're recording this early. So the question is, what is your number one New Year's resolution for the Edmonton Oilers? If you could give like, what should the Oilers number one New Year's resolution be? That's a delicious you just- debate. You just posted an article at OilersNation.com about this exact topic. So I'll just start with you. What's on your list to kick us off? 
Um, I'll start with, uh, you know what? I'll go with this one. Actually, it wasn't number one on my list. It was number two, but, uh, there's a lot of different facets to it and it is get aggressive. That's my new year's resolution for the Edmonton Oilers earlier in the year on the real life podcast. We had a big debate. Yes, Dan B E aggressive. Um, we had a big debate. Jay and I, we got very heated about it, about whether or not the Oilers were tough enough, right? They were winning games. And I was like, I don't care if they're, you know, starting scrums after the whistle or anything like that, because they're scoring more goals than the other team. And that's all that matters. Well, then they started losing and it was a really disturbing trend for me to see them be losing games down three, one down four, two, whatever. And there's no pushback. There's no give a shit. It just felt like they were like, ah, well, we're down. We're going to lose tonight. And they accepted their, their fate. And there was never any, there was never anyone on the roster who was like, I'm going to try change momentum with a big hit or by mixing it up after the whistle. And I would really like to see them get more aggressive on the ice. I would like to see them get more aggressive off the ice in 2022. I want to see Ken Holland, you know, dangle the first round pick, dangle a prospect or two and go out there and try to make this team better before the deadline. I would also like to see the organization away from the hockey side, get more aggressive. Get more aggressive in trying to fill up that arena for every single game. Obviously, once you're allowed to now, because it's 50% capacity. But you know, when things are back to whatever normal could be in terms of attendance, get more aggressive. Let's fill this thing up. Let's bring back game day pricing on tickets. Let's start. Why can't the organization work with other organizations in the city and say, you know what? If we have 50 unused tickets in the upper bowl, we're going to give them away to whoever needs them, whatever company will take them. And, and we're going to try fill up this arena. So anyways, there's three kind of bullet points, but the main one, get aggressive. I'd like to see them bring back uh, Molson half price singles or whoever the sponsor would be. Yeah. Why not? Wasn't that a thing? It was. Yeah. I thought it was a thing. And then it disappeared. Like I get the season ticket holder angle, I guess. Yeah. To me too. Point, but if, if it's if the barn's empty, get some people in there. You're going to sell some popcorn. If you're allowed to, have concessions, <laughs> sell a beer provided you're on the lowest level and you can go to sweet 99. I don't know. Uh, Rick, what do you got? New year's resolutions for the Edmonton Oilers. I'm going to go with, uh, you got to fix that. Play, uh, the uh, pro scouts. Cause we need to start winning some of these like Holland's taking some swings out there. Um, some he's sit, some he's missed, some he's whatever down the neutral zone. Um, but we need to start winning these things again. Uh, I don't think we've won a big, we've won a trade since, um, Patty Maroon, like when you actually won one, like win a win a win a win. One of the ones where when other I guess pe- the other fan base won, but that's a billion years ago. Yeah, one of those ones where the other fan base looks at it and goes, "Whoa, how'd they do that?" Because we're always yes, on we the need other. End. You know, we need to find that 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 um, free agent to bring them in. Uh, you need to find that trade. You need to win that trade. So it's it's somewhere sitting with the uh, the pro scouts and. We have to uh, find a new way of judging other players not on here. And we need to find a way to bring in uh, more effective players. I like that Nation, one. Nation Dan, your New Year's resolution for the Edmonton Oilers as we go into 2022. Well, I, I'm guilty of having read Tyler's article already. And so I, I have to kind of steal one, I guess. But it's for me, it's the fact that the Edmonton Oilers, 66% of the time, they're struggling to start a game. They get beat first and then they're playing from behind the starts of games has to be fixed. I don't know what the remedy is. I realize that, you know, me putting this out there is not necessarily a solution, but good gravy. Does this team with Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid need to come over or come out some more times and make teams question if they're going to be able to stay with those guys for the entire game. It just doesn't seem to be the case very often with this team to start, especially in the, the Dave Tippett era. I'm not necessarily saying that that's Tippett's fault, but I'm just saying that this, in this recent era, we've had a lot of issues with starts and uh, that needs to be fixed for this team to, to be able to succeed. You look what happened with the Winnipeg jets last year they got beat by that team almost every game and you're playing from behind you don't you don't win those games often in the playoffs so for me it's the start of the game 2022 has to be aggressive as tyler said but it has to start from puck drop my new year's resolution would be hmm, you guys i'll pick good ones i want to complain about the bottom six not being able to score but that's not really a new year's resolution uh, modernize the organization a little bit that I think kind of encompasses some stuff that Rick said. 
looking at your pro scouts, maybe the tools in which they evaluate those players. The Oilers are one of the few teams that don't have a analytics department. And I'm not going to get into analytics and why they're important, but I think that having them as a tool in your toolbox, as an overall piece of the conversation when you're bringing in players is incredibly important. And using them in terms of evaluation. I don't want to hear guide and record book anymore in 2022 (laughs) because guide and record book shows what a guy used to be. And we're going to get into something, uh, some chat about Duncan Keith here in a little bit, but what he used to be is a hall of fame defenseman. What he is now is not that. And that kind of goes to the point where I'm getting here. I think there's value in intangibles. I think bringing a leader like that into the dressing room is a good idea, all of that stuff. But I would love to see the Edmonton Oilers organization modernize themselves in 2022. We have a GM who still talks about winning in 2002. Maybe he needs an AGM that's a little bit younger. That's a little bit more forward thinking. Again, I don't necessarily think that's going to happen, but maybe they need a coach who's a little bit younger, a little bit more forward thinking. Again, I don't think that's going to necessarily happen, but my new year's resolution for the Edmonton Oilers is to get out of the VCR era and into the streaming era. It is now 2022. You don't win the same way as you did in 2002. And I think that would be my new year's resolution Anything else that comes to mind as we wrap up the delicious debate? I mean, you're asking them to skip the DVD and Blu-ray era completely. That's quite the ask. Yep. Laser discs were good, man. Laser discs were good, although it was a little bit annoying. I was watching Mission Impossible 1 and right at a good train scene, Tom Cruise is flying in. You had to flip that baby over. Yeah. Tyler, have you ever seen a laser disc? (laughs) No. Yeah, it is. The size of a record, but it does everything a DVD did. Except you had to flip it. Yeah, 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 I uh, I really liked like everyone's. I really liked everyone's resolutions. Like I like Rick's, and then it ties into yours, bag milk. Like yeah, like enough of this getting guys for what they used to be. Why can't the Oilers make a trade that is like legitimately mind blowing? Where you sit there and go, whoa, like that is a hell of a deal. I think about like Colorado going out, giving up two seconds for Devon Taves, who's like a top pairing D man. Even Jersey going and getting Ryan Graves, right? Like these deals where you sit back like almost immediately and are like hindsight. Yeah. Like you're like, even in, Damn. in hindsight, I want to sit back and go, Holy fuck. We won that. I mean, like you go back to the maroon trade, right? Like yep. you went for whatever and, and they had half a salary, a fourth and a prospect. At one point, Marty yeah, at one point you stopped at one point you stopped, looked back and Holy shit. We won that one. Yep. That's what we kind of fucking need. And he kind yeah, of like he went the, out there and we sat here and liked the moves he made this summer, right? Yeah. And all these players just somehow aren't fucking getting it done. Yep. It's frustrating as shit, but we need to start fucking winning these things. It's not up to us to figure out how. We're just pointing it out for everybody. Yeah, I think that that ties into the modernizing the organization as well, just using different tools of evaluation. Again, before you shit on me, I'm not saying use analytics as the only tool. I'm just saying use it as a tool. That's it. That's all. Uh, Dan, you got anything else that comes to mind? New Year's resolutions, Edmonton Rose? I like it's just it's no. I mean, you guys covered it. It's it's uh, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of issues that this team has. There's a bunch of issues that winning glossed over early in the season, and it ain't doing it right now. So yeah, I think I, that everything we listed is pretty much. I just want to I want to touch on something Tyler said a little bit more. I would love to see the team get feistier in 2022 because it's starting to annoy me that there's not this all for one mentality with the team after whistles. I've watched a lot of a lot of hockey over the last month or so, but you know, pause notwithstanding. And so many times there's just so so many scrums after the whistle. Somebody's pissed off, hacking away, somebody gives a stinky glove in the face. And it just I don't see that with the Oilers. And I'd love to be look watching a team there if something happens to anyone, not just Connor or Leon or Nuge or any of the names that you might expect, where everybody jumps in. Everybody jumps in and just starts piling on. It shows that they're engaged. It shows that they're willing to fight for each other. I'd love more of that in 2022. I'll play devil's advocate for a second here because as soon as like say Cassian does that and jumps in there and drops his gloves or something silly and gets the extra penalty and kills the power play. Everyone's going to shit on them for that too, right? Sure. I don't, I don't necessarily think that it always has to be taking penalties, but, but I do when think you, that when you I'd get like involved, to take you, up the trash. 
Yeah, but when you start to get involved like that, especially if you're reacting to it, a lot of times the second guy, the fifth, you know, whatever, the last guy in is the one who takes the penalty, right? Well, then even I agree with you zone. a thousand percent here. I'm just saying, like, because after the after the whistle scrums, um, we just have to realize that sometimes they're going to like lose a power play or even go shorthanded. And I'd that's be happy. Part of uh, part of of putting your foot down and and whatnot. So if it does start happening, then we can't sit here and just take a dump on the dude who took a fucking penalty or killed one of our power plays. That's oh. a good point. But I think I also think I'd I'd be happy to watch that because I just think there's too many times where this team just looks like they're getting pushed around without having the fight back that a lot of mm-hmm. other teams have. You don't have to be a big guy to mix shit up. You can grab somebody, you can do something. I don't know. Well, and to your point too, Bag Milk, last night there was a perfect situation, to me at least, where Smith got crashed into. Yeah. And I couldn't believe that nobody reacted to that. I think the players were, there's a little bit of waiting to see what Mike Smith was going to do, because to me, he's that guy that could respond in that situation. But I think, yeah, I mean, especially in these games where they just, they, I, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm just alone in it, but I just felt like last night's game wasn't really a winnable game. Like they just they didn't they just didn't have it. So that's a point where you go out and you make a statement to say, yeah, you know what? You touch my goalie, you buzz the control tower. I'm going to go psycho about it. And Rick, you're right. If if that did happen, we have to be able to defend those guys and say, you know what? Enough is enough. Fight back. Push back. If you can't win on the scoreboard, win in the visually better category. I'm gonna relate this to prison. Okay. Because that's all. That's what you know. That's what I know. I'm from these streets and I've watched a lot of documentaries. <laughs> when you go into prison, according to the movies, that is. Take on the biggest guy in there. You take a swing at the biggest guy in there to let them know that you're not meant to be pushed around. And I'd love a little bit of that junkyard <laughs> prison mentality with the Oilers. And here's one too for you, Bag Milk. The worst part about prison is the Dementors. So if we're the Dementors <laughs> and we're the ones out there <laughs> mucking it up, we'll be the worst part. Uh, if you've been to prison, hit us up. ON Radio Podcast. I want to know. Tell me I'm right. Tell me that you swung at the biggest guy in there. That's what I want to know. Shout out to all the prisoners out there that listen to ON Radio every week. Uh, all right. We're winding this down. Any other New Year's resolutions I missed as we're, as we're walking through? The, the third one on my list of the article I wrote was uh, shoot the puck more. Um, like there's yeah. too many times. Like how many times are you watching a game where the Oilers get like an odd man rush? And you know, they're just going to try pass it. Like it's McDavid yep. or Drysdale coming in and you're like, all right, he's clearly just looking to force a pass across here. Even if it's not there, even on the power play, sometimes they'll have a lane and it'll be like, all right, rip the puck. Like, no, trying to pass it into the net again, trying to make that perfect play back door. And I get it that it works like a good amount of the time. But I also yeah. just think if, if you went out there and if the Oilers had more of a shoot first mentality, it's just going to open up more passing lanes in the future, right? If other teams have Connor McDavid coming in on a two on one, and the goalie's going, all right, I know there's a 50-50 chance he's shooting or passing. He's going to commit to the shot more. And that's yeah. going to open up the pass. The defenseman might want to take away the shot a little bit quicker. That's going to open up a pass, even on the power play. If you show a willingness to just shoot pucks from any sort of angle, I'm not saying just take brutal shots all the times and don't pass the puck, but show more of a willingness to shoot the puck. They're 17th in the NHL at five on five shots, four per 60. That's not good enough for a team with as much talent as they have. They need to shoot the puck more. They need to have a willingness to shoot bucks. Look at Evan Bouchard. How many of his goals this season are just shots that really you don't think have much of a chance of going in or any business going in, but because the dude shoots a million bucks, he gets goals. And I just think they should have more of a shot first mentality. It's, I mean, I agree with Tyler. You don't, you don't want to shoot on an NHL goalie when there's no traffic in front from the sideboards, it's not going to go in, but if you've got some traffic in front, you've got a guy like, I don't know, yes, a pulley with his big frame in front or, or Zach Hyman, who's always digging in front of the net, toss a puck in the goalie skates. Let those boys hack away. I don't think here's another resolution. Embrace the garbage goal. I think yeah. they don't always have to be pretty, but man, there's nothing like a good greasy goal in the crease to get the boys going. And I don't think the other score enough of those. So Get greasy out there. That's another one. There you go. New Year's resolution. Your delicious debate from Oodle Noodle. Also, a shout out to DoorDash. If you use the promo code Oodle2021, you'll get $7 off your order of $30 or more. That promo code is winding down, folks. If you want to use it, better get to it. Got it? Good. Uh, Getting away from the New Year's resolutions. This is our first podcast since last week. Just touching in real quick. How was Christmas for everybody? Cold. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Dan, you've been spending a lot of time outside, buddy. Good for you. Learning. I have. Thanks. It's one of my favorite uh, things going right now, actually, is watching Dan's <laughs> skating that. updates every day. It's, I was going to uh, actually volunteer to come help you. Yeah. Um, but it's too cold, so I'm not leaving my house. Well, it's been, do, it on, it's, do it on Saturday. It's like minus it's, eight. It's been yeah, really neat casual. to have to have people tossing out tips and offering to come out and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been chilly out, but it was a good a good holiday overall. I'm glad to see you guys all got through it mostly safe. The only thing yeah. that I did on my holiday was punish my own body with a lot of alcohol. Or I was basically more or less drunk for the better part of three days. But yeah, you know what? I'm right there. Tis the you. season. Tis this is. Tis the season. All right. Getting back to it. Uh, Oilers played their first game in 11 days last night against St. Louis. We talked about it a little bit. Again, that was another game where they, they were chasing from the start. A couple of quick goals by St. Louis in the first half of the first period. Put them down by two. Started to chip away. Ended up tying the game, but then mistakes were compounding. The Oilers were sloppy yesterday. Um, they looked like a team that hadn't played in a while, though that was the same on both sides of the ledger, so I don't really think that's an excuse. But that was one where mistakes ended up in the back of the net. And I don't think Mike Smith played poorly by any means in his first game in two and a half months, but he just he couldn't bail him out on some of those tough ones. So what was your first what was your biggest takeaway from last night's game as you saw the Oilers get back in action? Tyler? Yeah, like it it felt like they were certainly not the better team, but neither team felt particularly sharp in that one. A couple of mistakes had them behind the eight ball early. I thought you know, Leon Dreisaitl looked like he was he was in a zone early on and he scored the goal and he was really buzzing. But aside from that, there weren't a lot of players who seemed determined to make a difference early on in that hockey game. And that was certainly disappointing coming out of the break. Um, but St. Louis is a really good hockey team and they're very good on home ice as well. The Oilers have gone in there twice now. They got a win and they lost one. So it's not a loss that I'm like overly frustrated with. With that being said, they have two games coming up this weekend against the Islanders and Devils in the opposite order that I just read them. And neither of those teams are very good. So the Oilers absolutely need to go out and do everything they can to take two out of the first three out of the break. Otherwise, I will be disappointed. Yeah, I mean, they didn't look sharp. Again, I don't think St. Louis necessarily looked sharp. Um We'll just get it out of the way. Dmitry Samarkov got a couple of welcome to the NHL moments in his first couple of minutes there. Um, I saw people piling on him last night on social. I don't necessarily think it was too fair, though he did look like a guy who had some nerves going in his first NHL game. Rick, when you saw Samarkov, another guy making his NHL debut last night, what did you think of it? Uh, I was more confused when I saw him just on the, uh, on the roster in general. Um, we were talking about this before we started today. I just didn't understand how he was playing ahead of Broberg. I know nobody, like we were talking about this already. Nobody really has a, has a definite answer. Um, the only thing I can think of is that it had something to do with the salary cap with his bonus at Broberg's bonuses or something like that. Um, other than that, it didn't really make sense that he played. Uh, other, uh, otherwise, He's a young guy, man. I mean, we've said this before. The NHL is not a, a developmental league, right? Like, he's obviously on the young side of things. He's not really ready for this type of uh, of workload yet. And it kind of looked that way. Those were... It's not like he got beat by, like, very skilled moves, right? Like, they were just general moves that he just... He was a step behind. And, uh, and yeah, I still don't think that's, that means anything bad about him. And in the, in the long run, he'll go back down to Baco. And I think uh, he'll take a a learning experience here and, and turn it into the, into a big season for him. But uh, I just don't understand how he got into the lineup in the first place over Broberg. Tyler. Yeah. I, I don't understand why he played over Broberg either. Um, especially like coming out of a break like that, you would think you'd want a guy who's just a little bit more familiar with the NHL level. Um, it didn't make a ton of sense to me. I know it's a little bit of like hindsight stuff. Cause if he didn't make those mistakes, we might've sat there and been like, Hey, it was nice to get a look at Philip Broberg at the NHL level, but um, it was confusing to me as well. Dan, what do you think of uh, Samarikov's NHL debut? Only played 20, 28 or two minutes and 28 seconds last night. Yeah, well, and like had his wife flown in for his first NHL game and just like all those, you know, those good things that should be ready for your first NHL game. Tough to watch. Um, yeah, like the the only the only thing I think we're all in agreement that it was just a salary cap 
thing that caused Broberg to not be transacted instead I mean, of we're guessing, but that makes sense. Yeah. So, so I guess like, you know, I mean, it's just, it shows obviously that the coaching staff didn't have a lot of confidence with him to begin with. If they were only going to just sit him for the entire rest of the game as opposed to one period, I, I don't know. It just, it just, to me, it's a, you, you're setting yourself up for, for a lack of success when you're already out with nurse and you got Samurukov in there. You know, I, I wish that they could have put somebody that they weren't going to just feed to the wolves. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's sad all around because the, like you guys said, the kid's going to be fine, but it's just the, his first NHL game is that it's two minutes and 28 seconds of hell. There's a, there's a billion players out there whose first NHL game is yeah. in kind of sort of like that. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, it's part of the growing up process. Uh, I guarantee you his first game in the KHL wasn't fucking super hot either. So it, it is what it is. It's not that big of a deal. And what do you guys think about what do you guys think about him playing only 228? He like I know he got a shift or two after the second St. Louis goal against him, but that was basically it from there. Uh to me, I thought it would have been probably the right you, thing to do to get him out for you can another couple of shifts. Find, you can find a couple of shifts in a period to get him out there, whether it's two minutes a period or something like that, six minutes over the game. Um, you can find opportunities to get him out there. I didn't like the fact they didn't get him out there. I don't mind the sitting him for the rest of the first period even. But in 40 minutes after that, you need to find an opportunity to get him out there. there yeah, That makes no sense to me. Well, and then we can't, and then we can't sit here and throw our hands up in the air and say, "Oh, Duncan Keith had to play 28 minutes, so I guess it's not his fault." Like, yeah, it's that's to me that's a coaching decision at that point. You know, like if you if you want to try and find Duncan Keith having less minutes, there's a player sitting on your bench for two periods that could have eaten a few of those at least, like you said, Rick. Tyler, yeah, I I think that's bang on. Like, how how could you not find? two offensive zone starts where you could have thrown him out there with Evan Bouchard. And I get that he got beaten off the rush twice. So maybe you didn't want to risk that, but still this is a guy who's played hockey against men before he's been in the KHL. He made a couple of really bad blunders, sit him for the first period. Sure. But the fact that you have a young defenseman on your bench and you don't play him the rest of the game when the left side of your blue lines already depleted, like Slater Cuckoo didn't look good at all. Duncan Keith didn't look good either guy to play 27 minutes. Sure. But I like that a point you made, Dan. Well, if you're if you're not going to blame Duncan Keith for how poorly he played against St. Louis because he had to play 27 minutes, then blame Dave Tippett for playing him 27 minutes. Like that's that's didn't one tip, of those two has to shoulder tip, the blame. And play didn't fair. Tip yes. put, tip, Tippett put this on 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 play fair, though, didn't he? Did yeah, he? yeah. He just clarified. Yeah, he, I, I think, think it was this morning. He's like he's like uh, either yeah last night. This morning, <laughs> I think it's part of Zach's uh, tweet actually. <laughs> He's like, yeah, no, Jimmy decided to sit him down or something along those lines. See, I have a problem with that. Like as a, I'm sure Jim Playfair runs the defense, I guess, but like, Hey man, you're the head coach. You could be like, let's get the kid out for a shift in the offensive zone. I guess. Also, here's a question. Here's here's a question about the head coach. Like he came into this season knowing he's a, a, had no contract afterwards. Right. Yep. And I was listening. I think it was the Gregor show said, um, he actually told Holland that he didn't want to talk in the last off season because he wasn't sure what he's going to want at the end of this season, which is fair. Mm-hmm. When you see that, that's a red flag to me. Like if you want to walk away and retire, whatever the heck I get it. That's not a big deal. I'm not, I'm, doesn't upset me, but something says you're not fully committed right now. And then you see little things throughout this season where he's not really given, he's not playing the, 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 the style that the GM built, right? The GM went out, put a little more offense into this lineup, not a whole bunch, but a little bit of more offense. And he hasn't really changed his game. He hasn't really tried to play a little more offensive style. Um, and then you see something like that. I was, I was, I was against like um, bringing in a new coach before, but the more I look at it, the more I see things kind of like that. I think we might, I don't know if he wants to be here at the end of it. And if he doesn't, is it not best to, uh, to to move on as fast as possible, especially if you're just going to plan on using Woodcroft? I mean, if you're not, then you have to do the proper search. And so maybe that's an off-season thing. But if Woodcroft's your go, I don't see why we're sitting here and not making that move right now. What's the point in, in letting a, a coach who doesn't want to be here still coach? I, I agree. Like I, I'm still not sure if I'm 100% in on the we need a coaching change. But I just went and I read those comments that he made about, you know, it was Playfair's decision. Jimmy shortened the, wanted to shorten the bench to five. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, Dave, 
The team just won both games where you weren't behind the bench and Jim Playfair had a bigger role in those two games. Maybe just blaming this one on him, you know, like that, that doesn't sign. That's not a good sign to me. And I agree. Like his contracts up at the end of this season, we're looking around the NHL and we're seeing teams who are getting sparks from their coaching changes. The Oilers could undoubtedly use a spark right now. I don't know. I, I, I think it, the argument for making a coaching change is slowly starting to gain more merit. And the other thing too, is yeah, that Colin built up a deeper top nine. That was part of the off season. That was a big part of the off season. And yet, him, and yet, yeah. And, and yet they're not getting played. And what do we get again last night? The Oilers are down going into the third period. McDavid and dry are back together. It's like, that's the only thing Dave Tippett knows how to do when they're losing is like, well, better just put the two big guns together and hope they can save this one again. It's just there. And it goes back to almost what you said earlier, bag milk about like the organization modernizing themselves a little bit. It feels like Dave Tippett doesn't want to try new things. His only two solutions are I'm moving Cassian up to the top line to start to the, the game, or I'm putting McDavid and dry settle back together. And like, that's all we ever get is those two things and they don't work. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> I still don't think a coaching change is near just because Ken Holland's history, he doesn't fire coaches. He's never done it in season. So I don't think we're going to get one, but well, Holland's I, job has to be a little bit. He, Holland's a little bit on the hot seat right now too. And he, I think he sure. has to realize that he doesn't get two full more playoff runs. Like, He's sure. got to sit there and look, and if, and if he doesn't see things the same way we are, like at least like see these little things, I don't think he'd be in the NHL this long. So I think he can see these things. Um, yeah, and it probably does take a, a big set of balls to fucking move on from your coach right now. But I can see this being like the Edmonton, or it's like the Winnipeg thing where you let Tippett kind of do the Paul Maurice thing and say, you know what, I've taken these guys as far as you could, which is fine because this team did need a little more structure in something. And get us here. And maybe that's what this tip it was. And now we're ready for our next coach to take us to the next step. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not opposed to the idea of a coaching change at all. I just I just have a hard time believing Ken Holland would actually do it. That's it. I, I think unless Dave Tippett pulls a Paul Maurice and just says I'm out or whatever actually happened there behind the scenes in Winnipeg, I just I just don't see it. It just, the historically the GM doesn't do it. And he doesn't hasn't shown me uh, a willingness to kind of make that call right now. I assume like you have to imagine Ken Holland sees it. If if he doesn't see the issues going on right now, then he's watching. He wouldn't be in this job as long exactly. as he has. He wouldn't be in the league. He knows these things. He sees them just as well as we do. So I guess it's growing the the idea because like if you read online and on OilersNation.com in the comment section, people are calling for Tippett in a way I haven't seen in quite some time on the site. So but they're not even speaking. They're like, a lot of times what I see is like the, the commenters are out there. They're doing it from emotional reaction, right? Like they're like, Hey, this is fucked. Something's got to change. Blah, blah, blah. And you're just kind of grasping at straws. That's as a fan. That's all we can do. Right. We have no control over anything. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what you say. But I think like the way we are specifying right now and putting down an actual real to deal uh, argument and showing how this leads to this and this and this and this, these like a coach does not seem to be fully, um, invested in everything. I think it, you, you, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you gotta move on, man. Yeah. I, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here over the next month or so, because the Oilers have not played very well recently. And like Tyler said, the last two games they did win were ones without Dave Tippett on the bench. I know it was Columbus. I know it was Seattle, but you could also look at that Seattle game and say, look at how shorthanded the Oilers were in terms of who was available for them. And they still absolutely pumped Seattle. They just did. And well, again, that was a blue collar effort. That was everybody going forward. Everybody going forward. We don't see that everything. We don't see that last night. I agree entirely. And we're looking at a team right now who is in the first wild card position. They went from having the best win percentage in the NHL to a wild card spot in a real hurry. They're three and seven. The Oilers are three and seven in their last 10 games. And that's just, that is not good enough anywhere close to good enough. So I do wonder if Holland's seat is heating up in the sense of he has to either make a, a move or a coaching change. I still tend to think that a, a trade probably comes first uh, just based on historical sequences of events, but we'll see. I'm, I'm very, very curious to see how this plays out, but I'm also not expecting him to make a coaching change just because that's not what he does historically. I'd like, I, I'd be happy to be wrong. I just don't necessarily know that I am. 
But like, let's say, let's just follow the exercise. Let's go down the rabbit hole. Let's say there's a coaching change that comes early January. What's the move? Is it just bumping Woodcroft up? Do you stay with Gullitson and Playfair until the end of the season? Do you bring in a guy like Paul Maurice? Heaven forbid Holland goes back to the well and brings in Mike Babcock. Oh, what do you God. do? It what better do you do? It can't be Bab- Babcock. But like, I don't think Babcock takes this team to the next level here. I think Babcock would have been the proper move um, when we brought in Tippett. Kind of like get that structure back in there, get this thing back to a team and give it to the next guy who's going to take it from, from there. Tyler, what were you going to say? I would bring up Woodcroft or let Gullitson run it. Like Gullitson's had success at the NHL level before he's been an NHL head coach. You clearly have Playfair running the, uh, the, the defensive side of things. I think you can rather easily bring up, uh, bring up Gullitson to the head coaching spot and it might just give the team a spark. Um, I don't, the only name that really intrigues me on the open market coaching wise is Rick Tockett. But again, I'm I like Paul Maurice would be intriguing as well, but I, I worry if he might just be more of the same um, talk. It's intriguing, but I don't know if he'd come here. I think he might low key be waiting for that job in Philly to officially open up after they're done with their interim stuff. Um, so again, there's not really anyone on the open market. If I'm making a coaching change, it's purely to spark the team. So I'm either bringing up Woodcroft or giving the bench to Gullitson. I am scanning Twitter right now as we're recording this, looking at some of the just Oilers fans in general, some of the names they're throwing out there. Uh, anybody, can I interest anybody in a slightly used torts? Whoa. Hard. No. He's, a, he's, a, he's the same up. guy that would have, he's the same guy that you would have brought in at the same time. Tippett did kind of get some structure back into this, but he's not the guy to take it from where we are to where we need to go. Just got let go in Philadelphia. How about LA Vino? Nope. Yeah, he, again, same thing. He's an old school head coach. I I don't love that idea. I my personal choice, and I don't know that it would happen because the Oilers are supposed to be in win now mode. I'd love to see what Jay Woodcroft could do yeah. with this team, uh, based on his work down in Bakersfield. He seems to be a coach, a player's coach to the nth degree. Everything I've read from prospects down there, they've got just nothing but good words to say about Jay Woodcroft. He has been on an NHL bench for a long time, albeit as an assistant coach and then as associate coach, he's going to get plucked somewhere. And I wonder if it would be here um, again. We'll see. We'll see. I I still don't think that Holland's going to make a coaching change. That's not his MO, but we shall see. We shall see. Uh, For 90 years and four generations, our friends at Cornerstone Insurance have been a family and employee-owned business here in Canada, and they've got all the insurance products you could ever hope for. Auto, residential, commercial, life insurance. You got it. Just head to cornerstoneins.ca, get the details on the left-hand side, Citizens of the Nation, click a little button there, you get yourself a discount. Okay. Um, we're going to move into real quick, because we've got a hard out here. Uh, World Juniors cancellation yesterday. Uh, absolute bummer. The There's going to be a lot of stories that come out of how this was handled and organized, especially with the hoteling situation down in Red Deer. Uh, Red Deer wedding was trending on Twitter last night, which was a must be a strange thing to see if that was actually your wedding. Um, but just real quick thoughts on the World Juniors being canceled, Tyler. It's all at the feet of the double IHF. I mean, you knew COVID was still going to be a problem. Why you didn't make the last minute change and say, sorry, Red Deer, we're moving everyone into Edmonton. We're going back to the secure bubble. You're going from your room to the rink and that's it. And why you didn't lock down this thing harder makes no sense. The fact that there's stories coming out of the players having exposure to the general public in Red Deer and to the wedding that was in their hotel with (laughs) however many people is absolutely insane. This is on the double IHF and they have mishandled a lot of things since Luke Tardif took over, took over that role. We can go back to the, to the racist incident in the Ukrainian league that was butchered as well. And then just kind of weirdly swept under the rug and went out of the headlines. We can go to them canceling women's events over the last year and a bit, but keeping men's events going. And then we can go to the poor planning of another world juniors. So uh, this is on the double IHF and it's pretty much as simple as that. Rick. Yeah, man, I think it's a little bit premature. I don't, I, I don't really know what the fucking word is to use, but I agree with Tyler. It's on the double, double IHF. Uh, they got too cocky. They thought they didn't take the proper precautions. Um, 
whether I think this should have been shut down or not is besides the point it is. And it's on the planners and yeah, they need to do a better and, job and bring it in the rest of that bullshit. You said like the racist stuff out there and all that fun stuff. I agree with you. Like I, I didn't put those two together, but if all these things are happening under this guy, this it's terrible. Like I, I, I know these big corporations are usually like that when it comes to the IOC, these guys, FIFA, NCAA, whatever, all they're all crooks and corrupt, but yeah, the, you ruined it for a bunch of kids. And and I, I agree. I think there's a sorry, Dan, there, there's a, probably a conversation about did they cancel it too early and all of this. We see the report today that now Canada had a positive test on their roster and officials were starting to test positive. It feels like they maybe had more information on positive tests than the public did. But I just again, you, you pulled off a world juniors in the pandemic a year ago when things were this bad. And then I like Rick said, you got too cocky almost. You said, ah, we'll be fine. We'll just let this tournament go on like it like it did in years past. And it bit them in the ass. And it's really, really disappointing. Dan. Yeah, I mean, it's just to me, it's they they just there was not enough of a pivot once the Omicron virus variant became a, a reality. They like Tyler said, they just kind of went status quo and they got bit for it. And I think a lot of people now are kind of saying, I told you so. And that's tough to watch because like Rick said, it's, it's good. It's a good thing that they tried, or, or I think Rick was kind of alluding to the fact that they, at least they tried. Right. And, and, and you like that, but you, you can't say you tried wholeheartedly when you didn't pivot and adjust when the situation called for it. Um, you know, everybody saying that they're blindsided by this Omicron variant variant is kind of, you know, it's just getting redundant. Now we, we knew that this was a thing that was happening a month before the tournament month and a half before the tournament started. So yeah, it's, it's, it's disappointing all over the place. There's implications that the Oilers were involved with some of the planning of this stuff, especially in Edmonton. Like it's just, there's a lot to be, I think, broken down here but again coming back to the IHF they've got a lot to to explain and and handle and deal with here going forward because you know the the real push is to get this tournament going but as you guys alluded to already there's six other tournaments that were canceled at the same time that this tournament was allowed to go ahead so there's a there's a lot of mess for the IHF to clean up and and this is just another one of those I think you guys pretty much covered it. I'll just wrap up by saying I'm bummed out for the kids. Uh, you can see James Duthie posted some photos of team Germany on the ice at Rogers place, just kind of taking some photos together before making their way back home or wherever they're going. I just feel the worst for the kids. This is a huge tournament, a huge opportunity for them. I mean, even as I was watching Canada, absolutely shit pump Austria the, the day before, Watching Austria score a couple of goals and seeing how excited those kids were because they doubled their goal total from last year. That's just, that's just good stuff. And that's a big part of growing the game in those other countries and a big opportunity for uh, the Canadian kids to get their gold back. And it's just a bummer all around. So we'll leave it at that. Unfortunate. Um, IHF has plenty, plenty on their plate as it comes to what happened here. Um, and I'm sure that'll come out in due time. Check out the folks at dailyfaceoff.com. Um, a lot of stories going up about the world juniors there right now as well. Uh, moving into Ask the Idiots, we've only got a couple questions this time around. Boys, busterspizza.ca, they've got a location near you. Whether you want a za, a donair, or just something delicious, I recommend checking out Buster's Pizza. They are here for you. We are there for them. And this is Ask the Idiots. So we're going to start off real quick here. Looking at my screen, Tyler's up first. Um, looking at the Oilers, who is to blame for the recent quality of play? Is it Uncle Ken for his team composition or Dave Tippett for his game day lineup strategy choices? Or can we just blame COVID? Uh, no, I'm not going to blame COVID at all. Like I get that the pause came at a bad spot. They had won two games in a row. It looked like they were turning a bit of a corner, even though their lineup was depleted, but I'm not blaming COVID because every team is dealing with COVID. St. Louis had a big pause as well. They had 10 days between games. You always had 11. So it's certainly not COVID. It's a little bit on roster construction. It's a little bit on the coaching staff and it's mainly just on the execution of the players. Like we watched this team go nine and one. They are keep when they start games. Well, they're 10 and zero when they lead after the first period. They need to start games well, show up on time, and execute. There's a little bit of blame on Tippett, a little bit of blame on Holland for the team you put together, and and some blame to certainly go on the players as well because they're not showing up. Um, yeah, there's not enough going right for this team, so there's plenty of blame to go around. I'm not hemming this on any one part. Rick, who's to blame for the recent quality of play? 
all three levels that Tyler just said, there's a little bit on Holland, a little bit on Tippett, and then the guys on the ice, the skates on their feet. Um, we saw what they did in Seattle. It was just a, a blue-collar effort and emphasizing the word effort. Um, I know I, I hate being the one uh, saying, you know, they need to try more, they need to put better effort out there. I get that it's not really always the same thing, but you just – it just wasn't there. Like the guys, the skates on their feet, it's up to them at the end of the day to go out there and do the thing. And they didn't do the thing. So first and foremost, that's who I'm going to look at. Working through Aussie idiots for Buster's pizza, Dan, who's to blame for the recent quality of play with the Edmonton Oilers? Yeah. I don't think that there's one person that we can point to. It's just, it's a comedy of, of things that just pile up injuries and COVID diagnosis. And yeah, it's just everything. But uh, the, the, the only answer I think I have is that the players have the answer themselves. Like Tyler said, nine and one to start the season entirely capable of doing that with some better efforts to start games. Just employ the old junior style of hockey. Come out and ring up three or four goals on the team and then see what they can do afterwards. But we just don't have it right now. And and I, I don't necessarily think that that's one element of this team only. Uh, I am going to blame Peter Shirelli. Next question. Ask the idiots for Buster's Pizza. Who is one player that you would want in an Oilers jersey? Be a realistic, though. We're not talking Ovi or McKinnon. Mine would be Connor Brown from the Sens. Reunite he, uh, him and McDavid. Uh, Dan, you're up first. Who's just a player you'd love to see as an Edmonton Oilers? That's a realistic option. Tyler, I already know you're going to say Ricardo Kelly. I don't necessarily think it's realistic just because I don't think they're giving him up. But for me, it would be Patrick Maroon. I just think that that kind of that kind of a player with that kind of mentality, you know, you talk about a guy with aggression, you talk about a guy that that will come into those scrums and will grab somebody and give them one or two shots to the face. I I, I just love what Patty Maroon brought to the game. And I think he'd be great up on our left hand side. Rick, who's a guy that you'd love to see with the Oilers? We talked about him a couple of weeks ago. I'm going right up to Montreal and grab Brendan Gallagher. I think um, Ruins a little bit past his prime. I think Gallagher has still got the, he's still in it. Um, he's an instigator. He can score. Uh, he can piss people off. I think that's exactly the type of uh, of player we need right now. So I'm going with Brendan Gallagher. Mr. Yaramchuk, who's a player you'd love to see with the Edmonton Oilers? Okay. Well, obviously, you know, I want to see uh, my boy. Ricard Raquel here, but I'll, I'll give a better answer here. Um, there's a few options I've kind of been kicking around lately, and I'm sticking with teams who are who are kind of in the in the selling phase or who I think will be sellers at this year's deadline. One guy I'd be really interested in adding. He's a left winger, so that's not a great fit. But a guy like Anthony Beauvillier out in Long Island, he was healthy scratched earlier this season. He's making four point one million for two more years, but he's only twenty four years old. He's had, you know, I'll go through. These are his last four seasons, 21 goals in 71 games, 18 goals in 81 games, 18 goals in 68 games, and then 15 goals in 47 games. This is a guy who I think can play with skill. I think even if he's on your third line, he still finds a way to make an impact. I don't love the contract at 4.1 million, but if the Islanders were willing to move on from him and maybe take back a whatever contract in the deal, I'd be interested in the other name from a selling team is Lawson Krause in the air with the Arizona Coyotes. Again, not a guy who's going to be scoring you 35 goals on your top line, but he's playing with Arizona this year. He's got eight goals in 30 games. That works out to, I mean, your Remchuk math on this one, about a 20 goal pace, I think, <laughs> uh, but he's super cheap. This he's super cheap this season. <laughs> he's a pending RFA. One and a half million this year on the cap. You could easily afford them. Arizona's looking to sell pretty much anyone for draft picks. The Lawson Krause would be a name I'd keep an eye on. And he's, a, again, a big body that I think plays a style of hockey Ken Holland kind of likes. Um, so Lawson Krause is one of my answers. Uh, that works out to 22 goals over an 82-game season. So pretty close in the room check math. Nice. Um, I'd love to see an upgrade on the defense. Uh, I know they need some scoring, but I'd love to see when, when a guy like Jacob Chitrin becomes available, I'd love to see the Oilers go out and cash in one of those chips to get it. The cost of acquisition probably may not make sense, but we're just playing in the land of make-believe right now. So I'm going to go ahead and say a guy like Jacob Chitrin, just because I think the defense needs help. Uh, last question. Ask the idiots real quick here. How much should Mike Smith be playing after missing such a significant time or such a significant amount of time with injury, Tyler. 
I mean, last year he came back from injury and he played a ton and he was yep. fine. So, I mean, you're not playing him in the back-to-backs and things like that, but I would expect Mike Smith to resume. Yeah, he's going to take your starter's workload. I think he's going to be playing 65% of your games, 65 70% of your games going forward here for the rest of the season as long as he's healthy. So um, that's my answer. Miko Koskinen is fine in spot duty. And if you play Koskinen and he plays great and he earns more starts, so be it. But my, my answer right now would be 70% of the games going forward for Smith. Starting him tomorrow? Um, yeah, I, I give up. Yeah, I give him the Jersey game and I'll give Koskinen the, uh, the Miko Koskinen revenge game against the team that drafted him, the Islanders. Rick, how much should uh, Smith be playing after missing the last couple months? I agree. Just the easier starter. Um, I'm not worried about it re-aggravating the injury. We don't even know, really know what the injury was. Um, he's your starter, man. You put him out there like you, like you would your normal starter. Dan? Uh, well, the, the question was, how much should we be using Smith? I would say it's probably like a you know, a close to a 50, 50 split right now with Koskinen, but Mike Smith is a gamer. Mike Smith is a guy that just wants the net all the time. We've seen it before when he's banged up, he still wants to go. So I would imagine that it's now Smith's net to give up instead of Mike Miko Koskinen's net, which it has been for the last month or so. Uh, just to wrap it up. Last one for us, the idiots. We're of course, we're working through this for Buster's pizza. I'm going to say Smith should play because he is your starter. Two of three games. For the rest of the year, that works out. I don't know, sixty-six point six percent. There you go. So I think if he plays two of three that games going incredible. down the line, um, I think that's probably where he's going to end up. Uh, got my names here in a randomizer. You had a thirty percent chance on this one, people. If you want to win a GC, you just got to submit questions. Randomizer, go. Waiting, spinning, spinning, randomizing, randomizing, randomizing. Okay, Cody, you just won a gift card from Buster's Pizza. He asked, who would you like to see in an Oilers jersey? A realistic option. So, Cody, congratulations. I'll send you a message after the podcast to organize it. You just won yourself a Buster's Pizza gift card. And we've got only a handful of minutes left before Tyler and I have to bail to go record real life. Let's do it. At, uh, Hot and Cold Performers of the Week, sponsored by Deuce Vodka. If you go to deucevodka.com, there's a store locator there. That's what you need to click on. You need to find out where you can buy a bottle of this, baby, and make sure that you get that as a part of your New Year's plans. You're running out of time. New Year's Eve's tomorrow. If you need some vodka, I recommend getting a bottle of Deuce. As we do every week, we start off with our veggies. Nation Dan, I'm starting with you first. Your Deuce Vodka Cold Performer of the Week. Well, this one just came across my Twitter feed yesterday, but it is Oreos dipped in mayonnaise. What the fuck and are you I'm, talking about? And I'm not going to say on. much more than that. It is gnarly. Who did and that? I, it's Retweet cold. this. I need, to, I need to see this as an actual thing. I, I don't bl- That is horrible. I'm upset. I, I am upset. I am upset. That is disgusting. Yeah, that upsets me. I, I, like may- I like mayo, but good Lord. Yes, you can. <laughs> oh. Tyler, so, your Deuce Vodka cold from when he's asking when he's asking to go next, he's got something here. Well, no, just because it ties in. So you know how, like when when you win a big football game, the coach gets dunked in Gatorade, uh, and in some of the yeah. bowl in some of the bowl games in the U.S., things get weird, right? Like there's a <laughs> potato bowl where the coach gets French fries dumped on him. Okay, well the Duke's Mayo Bowl was, was not. <laughs> the the winning head coach. <laughs> is going to get a Gatorade bin of mayonnaise dumped on him. That's awful. Like why, why would anyone that's, that's it. That's the cold. That was the, that was North and South Carolina, right? Yeah. Duke's mailbox. I'm I'm watching, I'm watching. But when I saw it it was like green Gatorade, I was actually upset. It wasn't uh, some sort of liquefied mayo. It wasn't actually mayonnaise. No. Oh, thank oh, God. I no, it was. It was. It was watered down mayonnaise. They had to add uh, water was, to it to make it a slew. But what I but I, so that's what I heard going in. But I, I was obviously up and down with my eyeballs here, and I saw like green Gatorade go, and it did not look like it had like any mayo in it at all. Well, you <laughs> don't know how old that mayo was. What if it's old mayo? Me. I did send and you guys the uh, the video of Mike Golick Jr. If eating. it's old mayo, then it's runny at first, and it's real thick <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> okay, enough mayo talk. That gets my cold performer. <laughs> yep, that reminds me of a series of movies I enjoy on my own. Um, Mike, Rick, you're next up. Deuce Vodka cold performer of the week. 
<laughs> oh man. Okay, well, <laughs> we're gonna go from <laughs> we're gonna go from the, the the fun side of things to something that's extremely wrong and bullshit. And it's the OHL and the London Knights. And I don't even care about this kid's fucking name. If I get it right or wrong, it doesn't really fucking matter. Uh, but they tried to reinstate. Well, they didn't try. They reinstated Logan, whatever the fuck his name is. Uh, yesterday, about five minutes after they announced the cancellation of the World Juniors. Um, I get it. You're just trying to sneak it in there and try and get as little publicity of it as possible. Um, it's just not something he ever should have been done. I'm sorry. It's uh, It's... I don't even know how much time has passed since um, uh, this went public or even when it happened. It's just not enough time. This kid never should be uh, in the position he's in right now. So this is on everybody involved in that decision. Button. Uh, boy, that escalated quickly. I just sent you guys in our group chat and I'm going to retweet it in a second as well. The head coach getting mayonnaise dumped on him. Yeah. Oh, it was. Okay, good. I, I will know, say I I, I'm a little disappointed with today's episode because I was getting, I was having a great time with watching uh, bag milk hit buttons over the last couple episodes. So yeah. the fact he has no ability to reach and, and kind of fuck with shit right now, it's it's a little upsetting. It is upsetting. I agree. My uh, I was actually going to say the exact same thing Rick said for my so my Deuce Vodka Cold Performer of the week is again the OHL trying to slip that news in right as the World Juniors cancellation happened. I know what you did. That's a 5 p.m. news dump. It was gross. Friday. I don't like it. Oh, get cold. All right, let's end off the podcast with some positive news from the past seven days of our lives, or whenever we recorded the last one. This this dumping mayo thing is just revolting. So what I saw was on the field. It was Green Gatorade on the field. They obviously have got a tarp set up here. They've got the backdrop there. This is definitely for, you know, for show. They almost hit him in the head with that bucket too, by the way. Uh, performers of the week. I'm going to start with you, Rick. What do you got? You know what? I feel really bad for him. I wanted to give it to somebody else, but I feel really bad for all these kids involved. So I'm just going to give it to all the world junior players. Uh, what it takes in order to get onto the, their, uh, their respective teams. Um, what it takes that uh, once you get to the fucking tournament and everything, I feel, uh, uh, I feel horrible. They're, they are kids, man. 16, 17, 18. Shit. 25 is still a fucking kid. Um, they're kids. I feel terrible for them. Uh, yeah, so I just want to give them all the credit in the world for, for, for even just making their team and getting out here. Uh, we'll give them the thumbs up right now. Put some respect on my name. Uh, Tyler, that does mean you are still a child. Just I know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nation Dan, you're next up. Deuce Vodka Hop Form of the Week. My Deuce Vodka Hot Performer of the Week is actually going to go to the Edmonton Oilers, and it's because of what they did around Jesse Pugliarvi's, uh positive test there, getting him back stateside. I, it was just a nice little feel-good story, I think, for the entire fan base. The Bison King came home, and so it's a thanks to the Edmonton Oilers, the organization, the rescue organization that helped out there, and as well as Mark Spector for following along with that story a little bit. Tyler, next up, Deuce Vodka Hot Performer of the Week. Back to back matinee games, baby. I love <laughs> hockey in the morning. I am going to sit down and crack a beer at an absurd hour. I love morning games. I love afternoon games. It is unbelievable. Chef's kiss. I'm going to wake up, do a pregame show with Caroline, and then watch hockey nice and early in the morning. I love it. It's uh, since tomorrow is New Year's Eve and there is a matinee, I will uh, recommend that you watch the pitch count a little bit, Tyler, or else you're going to be having a nappy nap by the time 3 p.m. rolls around. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But if you want to carry it on into your evening, you got to pace yourself. This is a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, just wrapping up. Deuce Vodka Hot Performer of the Week. Uh, you guys covered a bunch of it. Uh, you know what? She'll never hear this because she doesn't listen to this podcast, but today's my niece's birthday. So I'm just going to say happy birthday to my niece. Have a great day. You are my hot performer of the week. Personal best. There you go. There you go. From all of us here at Oilers Nation Radio, I want to give a shout out to DoorDash, Oodle Noodle, Cornerstone Insurance, Deuce Vodka, and Buster's Pizza. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for making 2021, despite the challenges and oddness of this calendar year, a great one for this podcast. What we don't generally talk about on the show is the numbers of downloads and streams that we get. This baby has been growing since we launched it a few years ago. So I just want to say thank you to everybody that's been listening week in and week out. Day early. Have yourself a safe and happy New Year's.
be positive, test negative, or whoever, whatever that saying is these days. That's it for this episode. Enjoy your New Year's Eve, everybody. Shout out Dmitry Semerokov. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.